You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Good morning, Westside. It's good to see all of you here today. If you don't know me, my name's Steve. I have the privilege of leading the eldership team here at Westside, and it's always a pleasure uh, to see you guys each week. Um, I want to talk to you just for a second about a team that this church has relationship with. It's called New Covenant Ministries International. Uh, We've been uh, uh, partnering with NCMI for about 16, 17 years as a church. And NCMI is a team of men and women, godly men and women, experienced and seasoned men and women of God around the world, living in about, I think, 24 nations ministering into almost 100 nations around the world. So this church is not stuck in a little corner in uh, El Dorado County, California. We are connected and partnering with churches around the world through relationship with this team. And so Terry and I have the privilege of being on this team. There's a couple hundred couples on this team. And we have uh, one of those couples this morning here, Jackie and Ivor, uh, Lewis from Victoria, British Columbia. They are longtime friends of ours, and uh, we've ministered with them uh, in places around the world. And uh, so Jackie was the one that gave the prophetic word after Terry did. Jackie, why don't you just stand up, turn around, wave. And this is uh, Ivor's, this is Ivor's better half. And uh, Ivor's going to come up and speak to us this morning. So why don't you come on up, Ivor, and uh, pray for you. Let me get this button going. All right. Wait a minute. It's a little, just a little close here. For us. <laughs> Friendship. <laughs> Father, fill Ivor with your Holy Spirit, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the gift that you've given to us as a church to relate to a wonderful team. We thank you for Ivor and Jackie's you, experience uh, around the world. Leading a church in British Columbia, missionaries in Africa, and God, we love you, we honor you. We pray that we would hear uh, through Ivor this morning your voice clearly, that each one of us would uh, respond in obedience to what you're telling us today. Thank you, God, for for uh, this wonderful morning, and we just enjoy your presence. We uh, are anticipating encouragement and strength and comfort in you today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Very good to be with you. It's great to be in this house. Glad you met the better part of my life, which is my wife. (laughs) She's the wife of my youth. We met at university, first year university lab, and uh, we've been partnered together ever since. And uh, she comes with a son and two daughters we had together. And they married amazing people. You know, the British, say, <clears throat> the British say that you fall pregnant, you know. Have you heard that term? Well, Jackie fell pregnant three times. It sounds like a sickness or something, doesn't it? <clears throat> That's the British. They can't help themselves. <clears throat> I better have one of those, yeah. Sorry. Uh. Yeah, maybe Jackie should preach. It'd be a lot better for you. But 45 years later, we've got three sons and three daughters now because they married amazing kids that we've claimed as our own, and uh, they've given us eight grandkids, and they tell us that's it. There's be miraculous to get any more, sorry. But for all the grandparents here, you know how good it is. 
I told them that I realized they were all just incidental. They were only so I could get grandkids. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Dad. I really appreciate that. <laughs> but I really want to uh, start off by saying how much we appreciate you, this church, and your willingness to build biblically and be a base that can resource sending out not just the couple that lead this church, but uh, many others who've gone out from here. You guys are a legend out there, so it's really good to come and see the legend at, it, at its base, but I really want to commend you for doing that. Uh, God is really good. I, I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke 4. I want to just kind of massage or be a part of uh, the theme that God has for you this year. Uh, Steve told me that you're speaking on uh, your theming going, so I just want to pick up on that. If you have a look at Luke 4, verse 18, uh, Jesus stands up. This is the beginning of his ministry, and he makes a declaration of what he's here for. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then it goes on with Jesus ministering what he was saying there. And then it comes down to chapter 5 in verse 10, is it? Is it 10? Yeah, 5 verse 10. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So you're going to be a fisher of men. I just want to look at a few things in between Jesus making that declaration. Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, declare the favor of God. And then him coming and saying, and you guys, it's not just me, that you're going to come and be a part of this. And I feel like that's what God wants to say to us this morning, encourage you in the whole thrust and vision this year of reaching out. This is a church that reaches out. But God's called us to go, and uh, there can be a settling that happens in us in a local church and our lives and everything that's happening. We can just kind of get into a rhythm. But I feel like God is wanting to stir you up, and uh, he's got some rides he wants to take you on. I saw a, a vision in the service here today of uh, one of those big snow slope things where they, those ski jump things. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing about the ski jump is, is once you get going, <laughs> you are committed, you know. There's no, there's no, no, let me think about this. I'm not so sure. You, know, you launch off into the air there, but... The good part of it is, I mean, it must be pure terror coming down that thing. But I, when you launch out into the air and you see these guys floating in the air, that must be glorious. Well, I don't know if it's going to be that wild for you, but I feel like God's got a wild ride for some individuals here. And God's saying, strap on the skis, come on. I've got good things. If you want to step into those things, he's got some divine incidences for you. So I've got a few points here. My first point is, is to keep uh, committed to your primary call. I've, these different points that I have, none, none of them are more important than the other. I think sometimes in just the life of the church and our busyness of our lives, we can kind of center on one and say, yeah, that's what we need to do, or another one is what we need to do. This is more important. But I feel like God wants to say this whole package, these points that I bring this morning, we need the whole package. So I, my first point is, is that we need to keep committed to our primary call. <clears throat> and in Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus said, For the Son of God came to seek and to save what was lost. And then in John 20, verse 21, again Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, 
so I'm sending you. And with this he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus breathes on his uh, disciples, and he breathes on you and I. And interesting that Jesus says, in the context of you are called again. God has called me, here's why I'm here, and guess what? That's why you're here. And here's the anointing to go and do that. Because I don't know about you, I think most of us feel a little inadequate when it comes to taking the gospel out there. But God wants to say, my power is upon you for a purpose. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power on high, and you will be my witnesses. And if we want to get in on the power of God, I'm convinced the power of God is released. The greatest release of the power of God is when we're willing to get into the program of what the power is for. Now that we can glow in the dark and lightning bolts come out of our fingers. God wants to empower us to get out there and just simply share the gospel with other people. And that's what we're here for. And Jesus, I feel Jesus is modeling for us how we can be effective in doing that. There are all kinds of different evangelism programs, and and I think sometimes we need that to kind of motivate and give us some structure to get out there. So I'm not taking away from that. But on the other hand, we can get so involved in all these other programs and we miss the main program. (laughs) Jesus... makes this declaration, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, and then he goes out and demonstrates that. And Jesus is not just declaring to them that God has the power to change everything in your life. Jesus is releasing that power. And I believe God wants to do the same through you and I. God wants to heal people. God still wants to create miracles. God still wants signs and wonders in his church. We just have to be willing to step out and step into that. And it is out there that God wants to demonstrate his power so that people will be drawn into the church and their whole needs might be met. One of our elders at the church that I was leading is a contractor, and he just was passionate about this. He preaches on it. He stirs us up as the rest of the elders that we need to contend for God's power out there, the very thing I'm declaring to you. And uh, he just kept looking for opportunities to do that. And one day he came into the place where he gets his supplies, and this big desk there. He just went up to one of the people behind it was a lady. And because he goes there regularly, he's got a relationship with these people. He said early in the morning, you know, before you've had your Starbucks or, or Tim Hortons, you know, before he's had his Tim Hortons. It's kind of funny because this guy goes up to the thing, at the, the drive through at Tim Hortons, and as soon as they hear his voice, they have his order ready. They know exactly what he wants. <clears throat> but he said, you know, you usually come in there even when you have your Tim Hortons in hand and you're just so tired and it's early in the morning and, and uh, you know, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. That's, about <laughs> that's what we do, don't we, in greeting one another. But he said this day, he, he uh, said to her, how are you doing? She said, no, I'm fine. And he thought, well, you, you know, you don't look fine. She didn't look well. So he said to her, what's wrong? And so she told him what was wrong. I can't remember what it is now, but it was, it was a serious problem. And so he said, do you mind me praying for you? She said, oh, sure. Uh, thinking that, yeah, you'll go away and pray for me. But he said, no. So he reached over and took her hand, and she went, what, right now? You know? <laughs> no big deal. He didn't shout or make a big deal. He just put his hand on her, and he said, Jesus, touch this girl today and show her your power to heal her. Then he went off, and it was a few weeks later before he got back in there again. And instead of him looking for her, she came looking for him and came running down and told him this exciting story of how she got healed. 
and uh, was now open to the gospel. I, I tell you that story to say I think God wants to do that again and again. If we'll just be available, all you have to do is reach out. I mean, what have you got to lose anyways, you know? If you see somebody on the street as somebody you don't know, and you reach out and you see they have some sickness, I mean, look for people. There are people limping. There are people in wheelchairs. There are people in all kinds of obvious things. So if you go over and pray for them and they don't get healed, you're never going to see them again. You know, I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know. I'm just saying. Try it out. I mean, there's a good place to try it out, isn't it? My second one is just as important, and that is to keep committed to your source. It says in verse 40, When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them, would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And at daybreak, here's our verse, Jesus went off to solitary place to pray. I want to say if Jesus, in the midst of all of the business, you know, touching heaven on behalf of earth is, is uh, something about uh, that is draining. <laughs> whatever way you do that and whatever ministry you're involved in, these things can drain us. And if Jesus, the Son of God, had to come apart, which we see through the Gospels here, Jesus coming apart early in the morning, uh, before the day started, spending time with God, I want to share with us, then surely we need to do that. And scripture exhorts us to do that. And, uh, I, I just want to say to us, we want to be effective if we want to get involved, more involved in going and being involved out there and reaching out there, then we are going to have to touch the source of our effectiveness or we are going to come undone. I think the more profile you get in that, so the more effectiveness you get in that, the more important it becomes that you just keep touching in the base and getting the power of God being released in your life. But what can happen is, is the more effective you get and the more busy you get, the more this gets pushed back and gets pushed back. You know that Daniel, there's such a great statement about Daniel, isn't it? It says that he went home, got down on his knees. When he found out about the conspiracy against him and that he was about to be thrown in the lion's den, instead of coming undone, this is such a beautiful picture for us. It says Daniel just went home, got down on his knees, as he did three times a day, three times a day. I want to say to us, if you think you're busy, I mean, this guy was only responsible for a good part of the world, you know. He was one of the top boys administrating that kingdom that touched a huge part of the earth. And what Daniel realizes is I've got so much responsibility and so much that's being drawn upon me, I need to touch heaven. I want to encourage you to spend time in God's word daily. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in worship. Take chunks of worship with God. There's all kinds of things available to us online now on YouTube. Uh, If you have a hard time singing or making music and melody in your heart to the Lord, I mean, just put one of those things on and just spend some time. Something happens when we worship. We are touching heaven, and heaven is being released in us. And you can't get that on your own alone. You have to come together corporately. I'm convinced that there is a corporate anointing that gets released. Jesus said, when two or three are gathered together, there I am. Just this constant calling of us to come together. And we come together in community like this for different reasons. 
But one of them is, is just to touch heaven. I don't want to miss out on any opportunity for that. And I don't just want to sit here and go through the song service. Gee, Mike, there we go again, you know, another tune. No, I'm going to enter in and get everything. I'm not here to play games. We're not going through religious experience here. We need God. Everybody said amen. amen. My third one is, is to keep a translocal perspective. Right in the very next verse, it says the people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from, have, from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Jesus of Judea. I, I think that if I was one of his disciples, I'd say, I mean, wouldn't you, if we revival just broke out here, we want to go, come on, I mean, let's build a tabernacle here. This, this, we don't need to go anywhere else, you know. But I think Jesus is modeling for us. It's not just Jerusalem that God has called us to. Hello, everybody. It's Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. This is your Jerusalem here. Judea is your region around here, as big as you want to make it. Samaria is a reminder, because we tend to go for our own, is to reach beyond our own and whatever kind of communities within the community, uh, ethnic groups. And then, not to forget, the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm convinced that God wants to give us a heart for all of those. And you may be called primarily to reach out in this region here because this is where you are. But it's not just us sending people out to go to other parts of the earth. God wants us to pick up a heart, his heart for that, even to the uttermost parts of the earth. One of the main ways of, re- of getting a heart, God's heart for the earth, is I'd like to encourage you to put this into your prayer uh, agenda. I hope each of you have an agenda when you get together. You allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in that. But it's good to have some sort of structure in prayer. I pray for myself, I pray for my family, I pray for my church, etc., etc. But at the end of it, I end up praying for nations. And I want to encourage you to do that. If you want an exciting ministry without leaving your home, older retired people, here's a great opportunity for you. Ask God tomorrow morning what nation he wants you to pray for. And I've found many times God will just keep me praying for months and months, sometimes for years, just for one nation, just praying for one nation. One of my prayers, my main prayers when I'm praying for a nation is, is God, you raise up intercessors around the world to pray for this nation. Uh, there's that many billions of us Christians in the world. Why not believe that millions of people could be praying for any particular nation 24-7? There should be somebody praying for a nation. And I make that my prayer. But what I find is, is when I'm praying for nations, I just start catching God's heart for that nation. And uh, that's what God wants us to do. So that when people are going out from here, we're, we're going, yeah, we need to touch that nation. We've caught a heart for the whole earth. Because God's heart is for the whole earth. Another way is to go out on uh, short-term mission opportunities or outreaches that you do from this church. Uh, go take in and equip in some other part of the world that uh, God's putting that nation on your heart and you're praying for that nation. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're supposed to move there. It could be that you just need to go visit there and you'll get even more of a heart for that, for the nations. One of the great testimonies of that on Vancouver Island, that we have another church relating, Mike and Deb Graves, run a church called Oceanside. And Mike's testimony is, is that he was in business in South Africa 
uh, many years ago, and he was part of NCMI, and he kept hearing all this, what I'm sharing with you this morning. And he said it just kind of went over him. He thought, that's for other people. I don't really have art for the nations. Bless you if you do. Uh, he was doing really well at business, evidently, making lots of money and loved the high life that he was leading. But he went on one outreach to Malaysia, and the rest is history. He was, came home ready to go and plant a church in Malaysia. He just picked up God's heart for this nation. And God said to them, no, don't go to Malaysia. I want you to go to Canada. And uh, I don't just want you to go anywhere in Canada. I want you to come to Vancouver Island. And I probably wouldn't be relating to NCMI if it hadn't been for them doing that. But uh, it's, it's a testimony of what happens. And maybe God wants some of you to go longer term. I know you've already done that with church plants from here. To go and be a part of that is one of the primary ways to reach effectively into nations is through church plants. But uh, God may have extended times for you, but whatever it is, just go. God's heart is for the nations. My fourth point is to keep open to divine incidences. Luke 5, verse 1. One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were waiting, washing their nets got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. It could be, and other Gospels may indicate this, it could be that Jesus already knew who John was, but it doesn't tell us that in Luke. Just how about this? Jesus sees this big crowd, it's at the water's edge, Jesus picks up on the fact that you can sit out in the boat in the water, and anybody who's been on the water knows you better be careful what you say because everybody on shore can hear it. Uh, Just a whisper. And so Jesus realized, wow, there's such a big crowd. Here's an opportunity to speak effectively to them, cutting-edge technology, sit out in a boat, projects your voice. And who is the boat that he picks? I mean, I think Jesus was just there and went, hey, you guys, you fishermen, will you bring this? Just happens to be Peter, you know. You know the guy who wrote two books of the New Testament and becomes this earth changer? Uh, I'd share that with you to say that that's what God wants to do for us. He will do for us. As you're just going, if we're open to it, God will give us divine incidents. Did you realize, yeah, I'm just sitting talking. I'm amazed at people who come and sit beside me in the plane, of all people that could come and sit beside me. Well, hello, there's a sovereign God out there. He can do that. He just made sure that that guy got that seed. And me, he's big enough to do that, you know. Just want to remind us, you know. We say, well, we're going out. Well, who are we going to talk to? We'll just go through the day expecting God to give you opportunities. And it's amazing the things that he can do. Because he's good at that. Amen? Amen. We have a guy in the church that I attend now. I'm not leading that church anymore. I've handed it over. But uh, he was a Pentecostal pastor for many years, and for different circumstances, he needed to go get a job. He got a job with the public transit in Victoria. He's a bus driver. And I said to him, you ever think you'll get back in the ministry? He said, I am in the ministry. This is the best ministry I could ever have. And he just sees bus driving as an opportunity to touch the people of Victoria. And he's got story after story. When I was leading, I'd get him up. I'd say, I think we need a Mike story today. Come, Mike, and tell us what you're doing, you know. And, uh, and well, I'll just tell you one of his stories. He has this part of his route that he said at this particular time of day, in this part of the route, it's out towards the university, 
That, uh, that bus should just be packed. There's people coming and going all the time. It's a full bus. But at the beginning of the route, a lady gets on, a young lady who looks like she's really troubled and from a troubled uh, lifestyle. And she sits down of all places on the bus. She sits right beside him. And guess what? For the whole rest of that route, not one single person got on the bus. And when she came down and sat right beside him and he looked over and saw how troubled he was, he just started speaking to her, well, this relationship, and he's thinking any minute somebody's going to get on here, you know. Now, you're not supposed to do this as a bus driver, but he actually led her to the Lord, you know. That's why he's really there. You know? so he really saw the opportunity. But I just want to say to us, if we're open to it, God can give us those divine incidents. He can bring people. Keep committed to being equipped. Luke 5, verse 3, this one verse here where it says, Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. I, I want to say to us in all of our uh, emphasis, it's like uh, it's interesting in pastoring and leading groups of leaders. Uh, I find this, especially amongst young guys, I've had the pleasure of leading a number of young guys who are just zealous and want to get there and get everybody saved. And what are we wasting this time, you know? As elders, you really have to build relationship with one another. And on retreats, I think these guys do the same. We go apart and we just have a lot of fun together. It's like these guys are. Oh, yeah, we got to get serious, you know. Yeah, what are we doing here playing games? We got to, let's get serious about this. And all this talking about, we need to be out there. What's all this? And I want to say to us, our effectiveness out there depends on our effectiveness here because God wants to save people into something. He wants to serve them into a community. And so as, if we want to be effective out there, it's not like, well, what are we wasting this time for? Let's get out there. No, no, this is just as critical. We spend time here. This is a nurturing center. This is a lighthouse, a city set on a hill, a lampstand. Those are all uh, types of the church, the local church. And that's what God has called us to be. And it's collectively together that we want to shine out there. And our integrity and character here will affect our ability to shine out there collectively. And our willingness to be equipped. God wants to equip every person as a leader. Every time there's any kind of leadership training going on here, you want to be right there keen because God, we just constantly need this equipping and challenging and building together, building community together to be effective out there. My sixth point is keep committed to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 4, When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let it down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'm going to do what you said. It's like businessmen and Steve comes along and starts telling him how to, he could do his business better. I mean, he's just going to maybe humor him because he's the leader of the church. But the whole time he's thinking, hmm. I mean, what does he know about this business? But it's something picked up in the spirit that's happening here. And uh, Simon doesn't realize that. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. 
For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's uh, partners. So there's a whole bunch of people that he suddenly has their attention now because we've got our nets on this side of the boat. There isn't some magical line between (laughs) this side of the boat and that side of the boat. (laughs) Not catching anything, been fishing all night. Now at the obedience to Jesus, we put our nets down and we've got so many fish we can't. How does that happen anyways? I mean, he's not just got their attention. They're repenting. They're saying, oh, God, we are undone, you know, obviously. Now, God wants to make his gospel real out there the same way. And he wants to use you and I. And he can just give us things. How did Jesus know that? Jesus walked on this earth as a man. Many people look at Jesus and say, well, he was the son of God. Yeah, because he was the son of God and completely uh, pure and holy, he moved in an anointing that maybe we, uh, we will take us a while to attain to such a thing. But the same gifts of the Holy Spirit that you and I, Jesus said, I do nothing of myself. I do only what the Father shows me to do. You know? right. So Jesus is walking along in what would have been a hospital, uh, the pool of Bethesda. There are all these people trying to get in. There must have been so many people there because the one guy that he did heal said, so many people get in the water, I can't get in. When the, you know, there was this folklore that when the water stirred, if you got in, you would be healed. But Jesus is walking along with the boys, and he looks over and sees this one guy, goes over and heals that one guy. Then they're back on the road again. I mean, really, if you've got the power to heal anybody at any time, why not clean the whole hospital out? There are scores of people there. Because the Holy Spirit said, that guy right there, go pray for him right now, and he'll be healed. I'll let you mull on that for a while. But I think that God wants to do that. He wants to give us. I think we feel inadequate sometimes. What are we going to say? But I want to encourage you. Jesus said you'll know what to say in that hour. In the hour when you're persecuted, you know. I'm going to put you before magistrates and people in power. And we think, well, what would I ever say, you know? Well, I've found that God gives you things to say that you never thought you could say. The prophetic is not necessarily... A light comes on, you see the TV screen, oh, okay, then I say that. No, it's, it's many times just natural. It's just flowing out of you. I'll give you one, one story of my own in Africa. I've got all kinds of stories. But I, uh, we were running an African Bible college for 10 years in South Africa. We had students coming from as far away as the equator, right down to South Africa, from every different denomination you can imagine. And uh, we had a lot of fun doing that a three-year program, but we realized just to sit in this Bible school and receive and receive is not very healthy. So we just developed a whole plan of getting them out regularly in groups, short-term groups, weekly kind of opportunities to minister, and, uh, and I headed up the whole evangelism program for that Bible college. But I, I just looked for every place I could possibly take them, different situations, and I'll uh, just tell you one story. I would, took them into a very rural area in South Africa at that time. The comrades were in force and trying to overthrow the white-dominated governments. So that was the atmosphere that we went. So most people didn't go into the areas that we go into. Uh, people would say, we'd be shocked that we would go there. But we just really felt God called us to do that. And if you feel God's called you to do that, he can protect you. And he did. So I was in this one area with the guys. I said, okay, guys, you know the plan. Everybody break up, very rural area, crawls all over the place. Crawl is, uh, is the, all the buildings that make up one family. 
And, uh, and I looked around and everybody was gone. Usually somebody will hang with me or, you know, a few guys, but thought, oh, <laughs> it's just me, you know. So that's okay. I'm walking out. There's a beautiful day, beautiful, beautiful area, rural area of Zululand. And uh, suddenly there was a bunch of guys who looked like comrades to me. And they came and, and circled me and they started chirping at me. I understand a little bit of Zulu. And uh, they were saying, ah, you white cockroach, we don't have to go to you, you're coming to us, you made our day, man. <laughs> I thought, oh, well, heaven, here I come, you know. <laughs> but uh, and a most amazing thing, because I can tell you I was in different situations in Africa that I was so scared I could hardly even spit, you know. So I'm not trying to tell you I'm some great man of faith and power. But it was such a God moment. Just suddenly the power of God came on me and a, and a perfect peace. You think, how can you have guys around you? The guy who was the ringleader, obviously, had a cut uh, in his face that went right down here around his throat, you know. Somebody had obviously taken him on in a knife fight. At that time, these kids growing up uh, were raping and pillaging and burning houses down and killing people. So you can imagine just young teenage boys growing up killing people and raping people. It, it's, it's a terrible thing that still is... Uh, is in the basis of South Africa right now. But anyways, I'm very aware of that, but I just had this unusual peace that came on me, and an, and an amazing thing started happening. I just looked straight at the ringleader and the love of God. I've never had this happen before. It was like it was a tangible thing coming out of my heart. Just started loving this guy. Poured out of me. And, and, you know, perfect peace is with the love of God. It's just suddenly this perfect peace came on me. And I started talking about the gospel. I just started sharing the gospel. Just cut right through all of their, we're going to do you in. And just started sharing the gospel, full-blown with them. I'm thinking, what do you say to these guys? And this guy that I just kept looking at him the whole time, the ringleader, and the love of God I could feel was just melting his heart. He starts crying, not crying, just a few tears in his eyes. And he stops the whole thing, just dialed right down. And he says, if Jesus is real... He asked me a question, and I didn't even have to think of the answer. An illustration came to me of a crawl that was right there, and I've never used it before and never used it since. It was such a divine thing where I just looked at this crawl, and I said, and I gave him this whole illustration, and it was like Jesus used parables, things people could understand, right? It's like the gospel just went right. I could see the gospel hitting this guy, and he said, Umfundis, umfundis, they call you, means pastor. He said, umfundis, pray for me now. The rest of the guys just all, <laughs> he said, he said, actually, he said, pray for us. And so I led those guys in the sinner's prayer, just standing right there. That's the most, you know, I, the guys all went running off, and I, I, usually we have churches in areas we didn't, I didn't know where to send them or anything, so I just left them, but they said the sinner's prayer. I want to tell you, on my way home, you got to know it's a good day, you know. I mean, it's just... <laughs> so you're saying we have to share the gospel? No, you get to share the gospel. It's fine. God can do things like that for you. Just give you divine incidences and give you the anointing. My last point is that um, you should expect the gospel to work. I think sometimes we wonder about the gospel we share something with somebody, and they don't respond at all. But we have a couple of great examples right here. It says, uh, Jesus said uh, to Simon, 
Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch fish. So verse 11. This is a mind-blowing verse here. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, and they left everything and followed him. (laughs) Does that blow your mind? I mean, it does me. It's like Jesus said, come and follow me. And they said, sure, leave everything, our business, the whole deal, our family, and we're going to follow you. You have to admit, that's a picture of radical conversion here. And that's a radical conversion that God wants to happen in all of us. If you want to follow him, you need to give up everything, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple. So to follow him, it means us saying, Lord, my business, my family, my resources, all the finances I have, they're all yours. And Jesus may take you out that word and say, good, leave it right here, like he did with these guys. Come and follow me. But whether he does or he wants you to stay and manage it, you want to stay in the place where everything you have is his. He needs to be number one first in your life. And I found that I made that declaration when I got saved, but in the busyness of life of having to raise a family, it's very easy for all that stuff to come back in again and want to take dominion in your life and be Lord of your life. So, But this is such a great example. And then we have another example further on in the same chapter. In verse 27, it says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth, and he said, Follow me. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Tax collecting was a very lucrative business to have. I mean, he's just exhorting everybody. That's what nobody liked them. It's one for Rome and one for me. Thank you. One for Rome, two for me. And I mean, they could just do what they wanted with people. And so they were considered the sinners of all sinners. Why would Levi do that? Because he met Jesus. That's why. And guess what? God wants to do that through you and I. The gospel still has the power of salvation. What will I say? What will I do? Just share something of the gospel. That's all you have to do. It's the gospel that is going to save people. It's not your ability. It's not your cleverness. It's not your charm that is going to save people. God may use all of that stuff, but at the end of the day, it's just the plain gospel. The gospel is the power of salvation. And all we have to do is open our mouths and share it with people. If you look around this room, I love hearing testimonies. And people get up and share a testimony of how they got saved. And you went, that's why you came to the Lord, you know. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. It's just a divine moment. It was time to get saved. Something in the gospel. God knows what every one of us needs. All we have to do is open our mouths. And he wants to use us. And he's got you in places to share the gospel with people who may never hear the gospel any other way. And God wants you to just love those people. You know, if you're walking down the street, you don't have to worry about what you say to the person. This is a one-off guy sitting beside you in a plane. Um, I just launch right in. I don't try and be nice, you know. I mean, you have to try and be nice for them to hear you. I'm not saying that, but... But, you know, you don't want to take a long time. You've just got this one-off go. But I'm convinced for your neighbors and for the people that you're working with, you want to build relationship with them and some credibility. And I found in the workplace that I was in that they can chirp at you in the lunchroom and make fun of you, and you just let that wash off of you like water. But what I did find is I was working shift work in the middle of the night. These guys would come to me one after another, you know sit down. Now his wife is leaving him. His marriage is falling apart. No. You have some credibility. Your family is together and you're relaxed when things happen. You know, the peace of God is on you and other people would come undone. And it's just an opportunity to share the gospel with your neighbors, 
with your friends, your family. Just build credibility with them and share the gospel when you have an opportunity to do it. And look for opportunities outside of that. Amen? Amen. That's all I've got to say, I think. I mean, I could go on. (laughs) But I can't. My wife says I can't. That means I can. Why don't you stand with me and we'll, uh, we'll pray. I'll pray for you. If I can do that, Steve. Father, we thank you. Your word to us is uh, expectancy in this service. We pray a greater expectancy in our lives to share the gospel. We thank you the gospel hasn't lost its power. We thank you that it's still that same power that saved Levi and caused him to leave everything to follow you, Jesus. That gospel still has the power to save people. You want to use us, Lord. You're calling us to go. I pray a fresh expectancy, a new expectancy, Lord. And all through all the busyness of our lives, Lord, just reach through into our hearts. This is why we're here. The Son of God came to seek and to save what was lost. And he calls us to go do the same. So, Father, I pray this week, even this week, Lord, just an opportunity to share with somebody. Don't worry about dressing it up or trying to make it fancy. We just open our mouth and say, yeah, but Jesus could help you there. Jesus could take away that fear. Whatever needs to be said, Lord, we trust you to anoint us and enable us to share the gospel and let our lives make the gospel attractive, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.